Whenever you talk to an Australian, you must always use rhyming slang. They will not understand you if you speak in common English. How can I help you, mate? Some tea leaves stole my jam jar. What? A tea leaf? He stole my jam jar. I didn't get a great Captain Cook at him, but I think he was a septic tank. He was wearing a bag of fruit. I don't know what the bloody hell you're talking about, mate. Why? Are you Martin Jeff? I said to speak of my language. He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. He said, I've got plenty of bugs, Bunny. Give me a pig's ear. I'm as dry as a nun's nasty. Whether your team won or lost, come into Outback on Saturday and get a free blooming onion when you say Outback Bowl. Outback Steakhouse. That's no rules, just right. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. episode 59 of the great divide podcast we are back we have a fun show today a special show commemorating big country's first ever australian tour we have actual australians who are going to be joining us today that's a first for both fine and myself on this show at least so but we will get to that in a minute but we just wanted to uh say hello again we are back and thank you guys for the the great response for the last episode with martin warner and, of course, I always do this, but I need to welcome Svein as well first before we start talking about this. So, welcome, Svein. Thank you. That wasn't begrudgingly at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's been a while, so it's good to be back, and uh, it will be a fun episode, I think. I think so, too. And we've been dealing with a lot of upheaval in the world, as you all know, since uh, Svein's decision to leave the European Union, also known as Sexit. Um But yes, we are back, and um, you know, we we wanted to do another episode before this one with uh, with Martin. We usually don't do sequels, at least not right away. But the response to Martin's uh, 
fun episode was so was such that we thought we would do another one. Martin was up for it, but it just uh, the day we were going to record it, he had to back out. So we will try to do a sequel with Martin in the future. We had some great stories from him of Big Country's early days, and he's told me since that he's remembered a lot more. So that should be fun. That's that's down the road a, a piece, as we say. But today we've got uh, two special guests with us. One has not yet joined us. It's very early for me, it's, uh, which is why I'm stumbling through this introduction. But hopefully I will pick up uh, the pace here as we go on. But it's very early for me, middle of the day for Svein, and very late for our very first guest, who is someone who many of you probably know, and you may not even know that you know, but it is the great Andy Inkster. And Andy, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on. Hey guys, thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled and uh, just a little bit embarrassed, as you can probably tell. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Andy, Andy has lost his voice. Uh, well, he's actually in the process of gaining his voice back, but Andy has has had these issues with his voice for what now? More more than two weeks since he saw Big Country. Yeah. Yes, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night it'll be, it'll be two weeks exactly since the last concert. So uh, for the first three days after the gigs, I couldn't speak at all. Uh, then I've got a little bit of voice back. Uh, and I actually, I think this tour has just ruined me completely. I think this is my voice for the rest of my life, and I just better start getting used to it. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, look, I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled to be here, guys. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. Yeah. And, uh, of course, everybody remembers your uh, your immortal segment in episode 19, where which was an outtake, but you you did allow us to use it, where you bemoaned having to speak for three minutes. So how do you think you'll do today? <laughs> I, <laughs> I still remember that. I still I still wake up with with night terrors. <laughs> like that damn speak pipe. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we go today. I'm feeling okay. It, it's sort of we're talking about my home territory here today, so I think that'll uh, that'll hold me in good stead. Yeah, exactly. That's got to pep you up a little bit. But yeah, before oh, we yeah. Ju- before we jump into the topic at hand, I just want to say you know a personal thank you because um, you guys might know Andy's YouTube page. I'm sure many of you do. If if you've seen videos from someone named BC a thousand stars, that's Andy. And it, yeah. I, think, I think I watched a ton of your videos before realizing that um, you've put so many incredible things up uh, online, and I think you're kind of like the go-to YouTube page for big country. So thank you on behalf of uh, many of us. That's look, it's my pleasure. It, it's just one of those things. It's a little bit anonymous, isn't it? When it's when it's YouTube, you don't really know who's who. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think all, all the recent Australian clips that I've put up might have given the gig up a little bit, but. Uh, no, it, it, look, it's an absolute pleasure doing that, putting them up, just sharing them. They were all rotting away on VHS cassettes. I thought this is <laughs> this is this is terrible. I had to transfer them onto, you know, a digital format. And I thought, well, now that they're in a digital format, I need to get them out there and start sharing them. So no, that's been really fun. That's great. I've seen so so many things I didn't even know existed on your on your site, so or on your page, so. Out there, if you have not seen Andy's page, just look up BC at 1,000 Stars on YouTube, and you'll find some incredible old material that you may not have ever seen before. So, but uh, anyway, well, let's let's jump into this because we want to talk about the first big country Australian tour in the band's history. Now, we know that they had a tour planned back in 1984 for the Crossing tour, and it was canceled. Yeah. 
So, so Andy, what do you remember about that time? I mean, I guess if you could give us maybe a little bit of brief background on how you became a fan and what you were maybe thinking of in 84, kind of hoping or looking forward to the band coming, if that was the case. Um, do, you, do you remember anything from that period? Oh, yeah, I really do. I, I think it was late, very late 83 when I heard In a Big Country for the first time. Uh, although In a Big Country was released in the UK sort of in uh, – it might have been May, I think, uh, of '83 in Australia. It actually wasn't re- the song wasn't released in, until November. Um, so the first time I remember hearing it was would have been very very late '83 or possibly early '84. Um, and then a few months later, I, I start seeing television ads and and printed stuff that that this band who I've just been totally captured by, they're coming to Australia and they're going to tour. I think this is fantastic. But I'd never seen it. I was 14 years old. I'd never seen a concert before. But um, my mum and dad were kind enough to buy me a ticket. Uh, so I was I was really excited. I thought, how good is this? I've found a, a brand new band. They're absolutely amazing. I love everything that they do. And fantastic. In just a, in a couple of months, I'll get to see them live for the first time ever. Yeah. Well, that was the plan. <laughs> um, unfortunately... They uh, they pulled the plug on the Australian tour with uh, three days before they were going to arrive here. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. What was the reason yeah, given was, for that? Do, do either of you guys know? I I can't remember. I think I might have known once, but why why did they cancel that? Was it just kind of Stuart wanting to take a rest, as as happened a lot, or or what was it? Yes, that's that's exactly what it was. I think they'd done countless tours of the UK. They'd done two tours of America. I think. They'd been to Japan. They'd recorded. They basically hadn't stopped for 18 plus months. Uh, and Stuart, you know, Stuart used to get quite homesick, especially in the early days. Um, and I think just the, the time on the road it had taken its toll on him. But by the time they got to Japan, he was exhausted. Uh, and I think the de- the decision was made then that they'd have to cancel the tour. Just you know, actually, I think they did want to come out here, but then thought that they weren't going to put on the show that they probably should put on. Um, so the tour was was cancelled. Uh, but it didn't matter. Back then I thought, well, that's okay. They'll be back soon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't too down on it back then, to be honest. Oh, man. But, um, Do you remember yeah, the actual yeah. dates that they talked about coming? Oh, yeah. It's fine. I've still got my ticket. I was going to say, you've posted pictures of those tickets, haven't you? I've seen, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing them now. Yeah, still, still got the original ticket. Um, so, so what date was it? It was Friday, the eleventh of May, nineteen eighty-four, at the Palais Theatre in Melbourne. Yeah, that that um, that is interesting because that means Stuart didn't really get much of a break in any case because they went to Sweden the month after that to start recording Steel Town. Yeah, I I think, and even before that, they went over and did the Pink Pop Festival in Holland, perhaps, yeah. and that was only a month after, and then pretty much. Straight away, they they got into Steel Town. So yeah, you're you're right. No so, no break really at all. So I'm I'm wondering if that also played a part in it that there was demand now for a new album and uh, they were sort of called on to start writing and uh, and thinking about that. And that of it course led ne- to the mass psychosis in the studio. They they went into that without having rested properly. Yeah, that's that's quite true. Look, that that was never given as as a as a reason, but it, it quite possibly could be one. Yeah. They never get a real one, do they? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, 
So, Andy, do you commemorate uh, May 11th every year with a with a sad big country listening party, <laughs> or have you before yeah, the tour? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, bring out the ticket and dream of what could have been. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just one of those things. I, I, I certainly never thought I'd be waiting this long to have had to got to, to have gotten to see big country here. But it, it wasn't just '84, you know. Um, uh, after the seal was released, it, it started showing up in the music press here that the band were going to tour Australia in in late '86 or early '87. Really? So oh, that wow. that was that was thrown in front of us as a bit of a teaser. Okay, and that and that never eventuated. Obviously, then before Peace in Our Time was released, there was another piece in in a local paper here saying that you know Big Country have got a brand new album and a brand new sound and they're going to take on the world and they're going to tour America and Japan and Australia and, and uh, <laughs> well, that didn't exactly go to plan either. <laughs> no, it didn't. Not for America either. So, <laughs> Not really. Well, you bring up Peace in Our Time and just as we as we lead through this, we all know that they, they did come to Australia, but just to, to shoot two videos for King of Emotion and uh, Broken Heart, 13 Valleys. So, yeah. did you have any idea that they were that they were there for that period? Was that kind of something they just did stealthily and then left? I mean, uh... they did they did that very stealthily. Would you like to know something? I, I had been dying to see Big Country live. So after my after I finished my high school, I travelled to the UK and and stayed there for nine months wow. in 1988. Uh, and it was the only it was the only time in the band's history up to that point where they hadn't played any dates in the months that I was in the UK at all. Oh yeah, no! So I didn't get to, I didn't get to see them once. And <laughs> while I was over there, I found out that they'd come to Australia. Like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Stars are not aligning. Oh man, you poor guy. That stinks. Yeah. Well, the the enthusiasm that you've expressed from this most recent tour is all m- making even more sense now. So, wow, that's. I really did think that I was never going to get to see them live, and certainly never in Australia. But um, yeah, no, I, I was a little bit uh, perhaps over enthusiastic about. I, I should probably apologise to everybody for the amount of almost spam posting that I'd done for the last four four months. <laughs> oh please, uh, just, I loved it personally. Just, oh, just about every single post I did was about. I'm sure people were waking up to their. Facebook feeds in the morning and going on. Oh, not another Aussie to a post by that bloody youngster. <laughs> well, you, you can you, you can keep it in perspective because I wake up and I see posts about another UK tour. It's just another country, another yeah. day, another post. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, to to see that enthusiasm is fantastic. So when yep. you woke up on the twenty second of February and saw this post on the Big Country Group and uh, their website. What did you think? What went through your head? How did you explode? Tell us. Uh, uh, I didn't know who to call first. I didn't know who to text first. I was, I was just, I was a complete mess. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it was, it was, it was hilarious because I was trying to text about seven different people at once. In my head was, it was going who to call, who to call, who needs to know about this. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. It was it, it was it was you know people say it was a totally surreal moment. Well, it kind of was, it, and it certainly hadn't sunk in. Uh, and let me tell you, I'm a complete pessimist when it comes to these sorts of things. I'd been burnt before, so I was I was thinking of even even right up until the tour, I was pretty much thinking of any way that that something right. could go wrong. 
<laughs> and, the, and the tour could get cancelled. But hey, it didn't. It went well. Uh, yeah, it was look very celebratory. It was fantastic. Well, uh, Andy, I mean, you even before all this happened, you were really. Uh, at least I always saw you as like Australia's super fan because not only did you oh. put all these things up on YouTube, but you, you would host like these fan get togethers too. And I remember watching some videos that you posted on your YouTube page of like uh, fan get togethers, uh, celebrating big country and that kind of thing. So, so when you heard that they were coming, I got the impression that you started to, to plan a, a lot of different things to make this event even more special for the people that you knew or, or just the other fans who were going to be in the area to see these shows. I mean, so tell me a little bit about some of the things that you, that you were trying to put together to coincide with the tour. Um, I, I know how many, sh I know you saw more than one show. So tell us a little bit about how you decided which shows you wanted to go to, how many you, you bought tickets for that kind of thing. Okay. Um, well, I, I, as soon as the tour was announced, um, we probably hadn't had a big country get together for, for a little group of Melbourne fans for, for quite some time. Um, so it, it was actually a really good thing because the, the announcement of the tour sort of brought us all back together again. So I thought, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll try and celebrate this a little bit more. And, and I sort of, I started a big country Aussie fans chat group, uh, just, just on Facebook that everybody could, sort of come in and talk about the tour and discuss it and just get get everyone you know, a little bit excited uh, by that. Uh, and then sort of as the tour drew closer, I tried to organise some fan meets and, and bits and pieces before the, the concerts because, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be able to go up to uh, Brisbane to see the first gig, uh, then flew back to Melbourne the next night uh, for my sort of my hometown gig. Uh, then fly to Adelaide the next day for that one. Wow! And then back then over to Sydney for for the one after that. They they did a really unusual crisscross of the country. They sort of probably flew more miles than they actually had to, but I don't know. That was just the way it was. But um, and so I tried to organise fan meets you know, before the before the gigs and get people together and have a drink and so uh, via the the little chat group that we had going, I was then able to put some faces to names when I went to the different cities and meet people and like I've got I've got one fantastic story um there's a there's a lady called Effie in Brisbane now we, we were big country pen pals back in the 1980s oh wow uh, back, yeah back in the early to mid 80s we actually literally wrote letters to each other about big country I think we found each other in one of the country club magazines as a you know pen pal wanted back yes. when they had that section I remember that um yeah, so so we wrote to each other in the '80s, and we sort of kept in touch. And and as you do, you kind of fall out of touch a little bit. Uh, well, a lot, I guess. But uh, as soon as the tour was announced, I managed to track her down on Facebook uh, and let her know that I was coming to Brisbane. So uh, on arriving at the gig before the gig in Brisbane, I actually got to meet this lovely lady Effie, who I'd known for 30 years, but had never actually met. And wow. that, that was a really wonderful moment to give her a big hug and, and have a chat face to face to her with her. That was that was fantastic. Um, One day, Swine and I will have such a moment. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that we have received a speak pipe from Effie, so we'll play that here. That's fantastic. Yeah, we'll... um, good on her. Shut up! Oh. 
Hi, my name is Effie and I live in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. I recently saw Big Country and I'd been waiting 32 years for that day to see Big Country live in concert. They played at the Trifford and it was one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had. I actually felt like I was a 15-year-old again from when I first discovered Big Country when I was 15 in the early 80s. They were just an amazing band live to see. There was probably about 250, 300 people at the gig and one of the highlights for me was looking back when Fields of Fire were playing at the audience because I was standing right at the front and just seeing the whole place just jumping up and down, including myself. It was just absolutely amazing. I got to meet Mark and Bruce and I was totally starstruck like a 15-year-old girl and also got to meet some really cool big country fans as well and finally got to meet Andy Inkster who was a pen friend of mine when I was a teenager and uh, so we got to meet and also some other big country fans like Phil and Helen. So it was absolutely just an amazing night. I really hope that we see big country again next year for the 30th anniversary tour. So please come back, guys. We'd love to see you and hear your music and sing along and dance and just absolutely um, an amazing, amazing experience. So stay alive, everyone, and I'll be signing off now. Bye. We all know Australia is a giant country, but I don't think many of us have an understanding of just how far had to be traveled from gig to gig. So, I mean, when you when you say that you flew from Brisbane to Melbourne, for example, I mean, what, what's what was the what was the general distance that you were traveling from gig to gig as far as flight time or that kind of thing? Well, two, two, two hours, 20 minutes is Melbourne to Brisbane. Wow. Uh, and then, okay, so then that's, and then that's two hours and 20 back the next day to, just to get back to Melbourne. Wow. And then Melbourne to Adelaide's only about an hour. It's, an hour's flight equates to about a, what, a nine hour drive. Uh, Adelaide, Adelaide to Sydney. See, they didn't come down the coast. They, they could have easily just come down the East coast and then headed west, but they they went up, down, and then crisscrossed back and forth, which made the flights. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether that was just because of venue availability or what, but it was hard enough for me doing it, and I got I was tired. It, you know, it, you get up early every day, and it's the airport hours and all of that. And you know, I know the band were tired. Well, I mean, it's like a what a, a two hundred hour flight to just get there. <laughs> so then they jump on a plane and play and jump on another plane. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading their posts, especially Scott Whitley, who was posting a good bit, and uh, I was just like, "Wow, well, these guys it. must be so tired." They were, but you know what? They did. They, they never complained. You, you never heard them. You never heard them mention other than in jest. You know, um, but it, it, it was good. Scott. Um, Simon, Simon was the worst off out of everyone. I heard he was um, ill or something. It was, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he, he had some, he had some voice issues, so he was kind of protecting his voice most nights. Probably didn't hit the hit the notes that he would normally. Um, look, he he still sound, he still sounded great, but 
there were times when he would do sound check first, maybe, and then go back to the hotel just to rest completely, so he didn't have to talk, and he didn't ha- he could actually save his voice a little bit for the evening. Right, right. Yeah, because we uh, yeah. we have all these reviews for the tour, and nowhere do I see a mention that Simon was subpar or the band was subpar. They they've gotten great reviews all over the place. So I think yeah. maybe it takes a super fan like you to notice that he did save himself from hitting that note and etc. Yep. Uh, yeah, only because I've studied so many, so much footage. You know, that half the people there and reviewing these gigs would never have heard him sing before. So, and from that perspective, he did a good job. Um, mm. But, you know, I knew it probably from halfway through Poraman, the first song of the night in Brisbane. And I knew it was like, something's not right. Um, he, he did actually, he made a slight mention of it on stage each night, but not not, not an apology. Just, it, it just you know, you guys are, are, are sounding great and helping me out and I'm really appreciating it type of thing. Oh, that's good. To the crowd, singing yeah. back, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you just a little bit before we go right into the show and uh, in in your first moment of seeing them play. I mean, I mean, clearly there must have been some sort of uh, bittersweetness about it since the band that you that you were seeing was not the band, you know, for the original band obviously was Stuart with yeah. Tony. Yeah. So I mean, how did you feel? Did that was that a damper at all on on your enthusiasm? It didn't appear to be from my perspective, but um, no. Was there okay? So what was there a sort of bittersweetness about it, or or was it just like this is big country? This is all that matters right now. That kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, it was that. That was how I, I felt about it. This is this is what we've got. I'm grateful for what we've got. I'm grateful that they're coming here. Uh, I'm certainly grateful to be able to hear these these songs and Stuart and Stuart songs. So for me, Stuart's always in my heart anyway when I'm listening to Big Country or talking about them. Uh, so he was all. He, it's I'm not very spiritual or anything, but he was he was present at every gig for me anyway. Um, some of some of the songs that I got to hear here, um, I hadn't heard live before, and you know I, I was standing there with tears streaming down my faces on, and at occasions, yeah, it was really emotional. But it, but but I was it was totally joyous. I, I couldn't describe it any other way. It was just such a celebration to look to look around the room and and see in hundreds of, of other Aussie fans and everyone's just in raptures and there's just massive smiles and the warmest appreciation for, for the guys coming here. It was, uh, it, it was really special. Hello, John Porter here. Uh, been a big country fan since 1983. Uh, followed them ever since. First gig was at the Burrows in 83. And consequently, I've uh, been to the Melbourne-Sydney gigs last month. Great shows. Uh, new guys are doing a great job. Simon, Scott, Jamie, and of course, uh, Bruce and Mark are as good as ever. Uh, look, long may it continue, and hopefully we'll see you back in Australia soon. Cheers. Well, so, so tell, us about, tell us about that first moment then, when, when the lights go out, um, the opening of Pearl Man begins, or whatever they they had that brought them to the stage, uh, which I, I think probably was uh, Pearl Man, right? I mean, I know Pearl Man was the first song, but what? Well, just tell us yeah, about no, that was... experience. I mean, what what was it like? What did they start with? What were your emotions as the first notes began to ring out? Uh, just it was 
It was like, here we go. You know, this is, it, it's taken a long time to get here. This is going to be fantastic. You know, that, the stage filled with a, a beautiful uh, translucent blue. Funnily enough, I've got I've got a huge, big country flag that I made years ago, and it's it's quite a size. And I took that up to Brisbane with me, just to excuse this little segue. But uh, when I got to the venue, uh, and I, I ran into Jamie outside the venue, and he saw the flag, and he he just he said, "Can we use it as our backdrop tonight?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> that would be the best thing in the world." So. Jamie's, we've gone backstage and Jamie's grabbed the flag and he's given it to the, the guy who's climbed up the scaffolding and all of a sudden we've got this big country, big logo behind the band and it's fantastic. And I think it doesn't get any better than this. Here we are, our first gig ever and this little flag that I brought up just to get signed, you know, uh, is now up proudly displayed behind the band. Uh, and that was fantastic. So the band walk on, uh, you know, rapturous applause. Um, I actually filmed this one too because I thought, well, this is this is something I think I need to film. Mm. Uh, so I captured this. I cap- captured the walk-on. Um, not not I, as soon as they started playing Pyroman, I stopped it because that it was just I wanted. I felt like I needed to document that moment, that one moment that I'd waited so long for. I, I wanted to be able to go back and look at it. Yeah. Um, but it was fantastic. And then, yeah, they they started up with Porro Man and into Harvest Home straight away without missing a beat. And and it was just wonderful. Um, you know, the crowd were, were right into it early. You know, we, I, there were groups of fans up there before the gig that we sort of ran into. And and, and everyone was just in such a, a friendly, oh, my God, look at your T-shirt. Wow, you've got a big country T-shirt too. This is fantastic. <laughs> All this, all this stuff that uh, that Aussie fans had never been able to do before. Yeah, and and so there was an instant rapport and, and friendship and kinship, um, and it was just really special. And it was actually everything that I'd sort of hoped it would be, and it was. The Brisbane gig was a real celebration that night, and the band had a had a ball. The crowd was, I think, the crowd was probably three hundred mm. at, at the first gig. You know, they were pitted um, 
They were up against Culture Club that night in Brisbane. Um, Culture, Culture Club, Club again. Is, oh, my God. The irony. Yeah, oh, they're total, totally fine. Can you believe that? <laughs> After all these years, they're still battling. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> to those who don't know what we're talking about, Culture Club uh, won the Grammy over Big Country back in the 80s. <laughs> bastards. Mm. The bastards. And they were down the street playing to probably a, a few thousand, you know. I, mean, I thought it was a little bit sad because it was a Tuesday night in Brisbane. And, you know. Not that much happens on a Tuesday night in Brisbane, I wouldn't have thought. And on this one particular night, your average fan who perhaps would like to go and see an international band has got the choice of Culture Club, who's getting TV coverage, all newspaper coverage, you know, chat shows, the whole lot, uh, and up against, you know, up against our boys. Um, and what you know, saddened me a bit was there was – a person on the making the journey group who said I would see Big Country, but I'm actually going to see Culture Club, and that person was chastised like he wouldn't believe, like what you really oh. want to see Culture Club? How did I miss <laughs> and, uh, that? Oh man! And to go to the and and to go to a Big Country page and declare it, <laughs> <laughs> you're asking for trouble there. No, but that, that's so great, and, and that's that's what's so wonderful about a band like Big Country versus. I mean, I don't want to compare bands. I know people love what they love, but and I'm sure people had nostalgic feelings for Culture Club or whatever. But I can't imagine that people at that show were so tribally linked. I guess might be a way to put it, because as you mentioned, when you go there, you see everyone in the Big Country shirts. You you see people that are complete strangers, and and yet they become part. Of your, they, they become an acknowledged part of your tribe and and almost a fam, familial type of thing. And I mean, when I saw them in America, I, I had the same feeling. And just all these people, you were just like, wow, you know, I'm not alone uh, in this. And yes. even with the internet now, we know that we're not alone. We know there are thousands of fans, but still, it's it's a little different online. And and to have that kind of personal converging with other other people, it, there's something really special about it. So that's great to hear. Yeah. And no, that, I totally agree. And look, we all pre-internet days, most of us fans in Australia thought we were alone with it. You know, you know, you know, you're not. But it's uh, they weren't hugely popular in Australia. That's the thing. They did okay. They, you know, in a big country was a bigger hit in Australia than it was in the UK. It was number. It was a top ten hit in Australia. In fact, um, number seven. Uh, the albums, the first three albums, did okay. You know, tw- you know, twenties for the crossing. I think twenties for the seer. Steel Town probably didn't do so well, but after that, they they fell away, and and the lack of of tour uh, in the early days really hurt their popularity here. Uh, and so, for the casual observer, they just kind of slipped into uh, oblivion. But you know, it was so heartening to see them all come out of the woodwork at at these gigs. You know, the gigs weren't e- enormously attended. You know, we're talking 300s to 600s for most of the gigs. Um, but at the same time, they're small and intimate and the places were packed and absolutely rocking. Mm. And it was just a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and that, that's, uh, that was the best thing about it. It was the, it was the atmosphere and the friendships made um, and, just, and just sharing our, our love of the band. I'm Sandra. I live in Melbourne, Australia, originally from Bridge of Allen in Scotland. 
Um, I've been a big country fan since the age of 14. I'm now 47. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, I really loved the fact that Big Country came across to tour Australia. I never thought I'd live to see that happen. It was fantastic. Um, my favourite moment from the concert, there was two favourite moments. Um, one was watching all the people round about me, the looks on their faces. They were just so sweet. Everybody was just so happy. It was like they, they'd had all their Christmases come at once. And the other thing was watching Scott Whitley um, channel all the various faces he makes when he's playing bass. It gave me the giggles sometimes when it looked like he was impersonating ACDC and other various musical styles. Um, so that was funny. But uh, I had a ball and I'm so happy that I got to see Big Country play in Australia. Um, my favourite stories from when I was younger... Um, one Christmas I gave every single person I, I know, well friends wise, um, hold the heart as a, a present because I was trying to help it chart and I wanted it to do really well in the charts. So everybody that, that year got a 7 inch or a 12 inch single according to how much I liked them. <laughs> um, the other story was when I left school I trained as a, a report a sub-editor for the Jackie magazine and I used to spend all my time writing about Big Country on my pages and the the rest of the office staff used to try and get me interviews with Big Country but whenever we phoned up the PR people they always used to tell us no, Big Country weren't interested in, or the manager wasn't interested, whatever um, so it became a, a office joke that um, I was trying to hunt down Big Country <laughs> and so that somebody even suggested doing a photo story called The Hunt for Big Country and they would have me sort of photographed leaping out of doorways and stuff like that trying to track down Big Country but thankfully we never did that <laughs> uh, otherwise that would be in print for the rest of my days to haunt me um, um, I want to say thank you too for to Andy and, and everybody for having the Big Country Aussies group because um, I don't feel like a lone Big Country fan over in Australia anymore. So that's all good. So again, thanks for providing such amazing music for all these years and keep on doing it as long as you can. Thank you. Bye. Shut so, so I think it's fair to say they opened with Pearl Man every night. That was their show opener, which is a very interesting yeah. show opener. Uh, uh, it is. Um, I think that it ties in really well with the, with the walk-on music that that Bruce had had uh, constructed for it, which the the final few notes of the walk-on music as it fades away are the opening bars to Poraman, and then Bruce takes up playing over the top of those notes, and so Poraman begins. Mm. So it's it's actually a really cool way to to start it. Um, and an interesting one because I, I don't remember any other tour where, well, apart from the ones they've been doing recently uh, in the UK, I don't remember any other tour over the years where Pyroman's actually been an opener. So uh, I would have thought that was a brave choice. Great mm. song, fantastic, um, but uh, yeah, an unusual opener. Very unusual. It's kind of a mid-tempo. I, I'm sure they sped it up a bit live, but uh, that's it's an awesome choice and it's definitely a fan's yep. choice which uh, tells something about who they thought they were playing for and that was probably a correct assumption judging on the enthusiasm you have described uh, so they yep. went from that to harvest home which was uh which was terrific and without missing a beat 
So straight straight from the final bar of Poraman into the first bar of Harvest Time. The terrific version, you know, the breakdown section in the, in the middle uh, was fantastic. The guys really getting into it. Um, Bruce and Jamie almost back to back in that middle section. You know, Scott's Scott's to one side, just jamming away. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it, that's my, my favourite part of, of, of Harvest Time. I got to say, that's great. Um, Did it do that silly dance yeah, in the middle towards the end there? <laughs> Who's this, Scott? Uh, there's a moment where they uh, all just dance from side to side of the stage back in the classic days, and uh... oh yeah, the, that's right. I remember a, yeah, a reporter once described it as being like a, tr- a, a duck walking through treacle. Or the the famous big country knees up. I can't remember what it was, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we have got to take uh, a brief interruption here because we have been joined by our second guest, Dwayne Bunny. Most of you guys should probably know who Dwayne is. He's the host of a show called Kaleidoscope Ears, and. I personally have listened to that many times, and he's done some great big country-related uh, stuff, interviews with big country. And I remember uh, in, I think it was 2011, right, Dwayne? You did some a series of interviews with the band uh, in the UK, I believe. And um, it's great to have you here. I did. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's fantastic. And, yeah, it was uh, very fortunate I was able to go over in 2011 uh, I thought that there was absolutely no chance I'd ever see them over here. <laughs> so I thought uh, I was in a position to go. So off I went. And uh, as as fate would have it, on the very first night that I saw them, it was in Manchester. And um, someone someone introduced me to, to Sandra, Sandra Watson, straight away. And um, she just took me by the hand and said, oh, you've got to come and come back and meet the boys. And, and so I sort of got in... Got in very quickly there with uh, with Sandra, so that was great. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. I, those interviews were awesome. I remember pouring over every word at the time, so thank you for doing that. Um, well, you kind of caught us in the middle of our conversation about the set list or at the very beginning, I guess. But So let's jump back into that. But before we do, Dwayne, could we just give get like a, a brief big country bio from you, I guess? I mean, when we spoke with Andy... Um, he mentioned the the tour that was planned in '84 that never happened, and his his fandom that kind of led him actually to even going to the UK hoping to see them and it never materialized. So was it a similar thing for you? I mean, were you a fan from the beginning and you know hoping that they would show up and they didn't? I mean, what was what was your big country experience like? Well, no, I didn't experience that back in '84 when the when they cancelled their tour. Um, uh, in 84, I was 13, so I wasn't really doing gigs at the time. My folks wouldn't have let me. Um, but I was, back in those days, um, getting my music by, you know, by listening to the radio all day with a blank cassette and whenever a song came on that I liked, I'd hit record. Um, and that's 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 where I had Inner Big Country and, and Wonderland were on, on a couple of my different um, mixtapes back then. Um 
I had a an, an uncle who I was very close to, and he was a bit older, so he could buy the records. And when I went to visit him, we'd sit around and, and listen to Big Country together, and uh, we developed a love of Big Country together. We and uh, from from there, um, it was pretty much through the through the late eighties. The main thing I would listen to would be Big Country. Uh, I remember the day that actually. King, we, we, we went to the record shop. He'd ordered in King of Emotion and we put it on the turntable we, and we watched it spin and we listened to it. And it was interesting because when it finished, there was just silence and we looked at each other and we kind of went, hmm, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember those feelings. That album in particular, Peace in Our Time, has grown on me a lot since then. <laughs> me too, actually. But uh, oh, that's great. No, thank you for that. And um I mean, well, let's just jump back into the shows then. What what was your first show in uh, Australia when they when they finally came? Yeah, I only saw the one, and that was Melbourne. Um, uh, that was the only one I was able to do because since I'd been to the UK, I've um, uh, been married and got a couple of small kids, so I couldn't really leave them and and tour around the country. However. I have psyched up my wife because the band indicated they'd be back next year. I said, I'd like to do at least a couple more next time. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it for next time. Fantastic. Well, so should we pick up our, uh, our set list discussion, discussion? Because I, I get the feeling that it didn't really vary at all over the gigs. Um, we, uh, we spoke about Pearl Man and we spoke about going right into Harvest Home. And um, I guess, Dwayne, did you have any comments on either of those two songs before we move on to number three? I mean, what did you think of that Pearl Man is an opening choice. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I'd never seen it before. As have they ever opened with Pearl Man before? I don't believe so. Yeah, so no, I thought I'll it was... Just, I'll just call it now and say no. I don't yeah. think they ever have. <laughs> I think you're safe. <laughs> but I think it worked really well. And what was interesting, I was standing near John Fares. Is it Fares, the pronunciation of your surname, Andy? Um, yeah, that's it. And well, John, I, he, from he, <laughs> uh, John from the UK. John from the UK. He he turned around and said, "Oh, they've never they've never opened the gig um, with the curtains closed before." It was interesting that the the curtains were closed, and they when they opened, they were all there on stage. There was no walk on, so that was that that was something that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but the I, I like Pyro Man because I'm a big fan of progressive rock, and I think. Pyroman was one of their most proggy songs. Mm. You and Spine would get on well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so how about Harvest Home, leading right into that? Any any uh, standout memories of that track played live? Oh, it was just great to be able to to be able to jump up and down and sing that with all the with all the Melbourne guys. Like a lot of the guys there had only they'd never seen Big Country before. There was only a few of us that were fortunate enough to to have seen them perform. Um, and in actual fact, I was glad I did go in 2011 because I because I got to see Tony as well in that lineup. But um, for these guys that had never seen the music live before, there's something that you can't really you can't really describe it. It's it's uh, an electric atmosphere, and we'd only ever got together in small groups in the past and and uh, and celebrated big country that way. But to do it properly with the band in the same small room together was just incredible. Oh, that's great. Well, we, we don't want to belabor every single song in the set, but let, let's just go through it and continue. And if anything jumps out at you guys, um, either of you, you know, feel free to just say what you thought of that particular, hearing that particular song live, if something worked, if something didn't work, uh, 
that kind of thing. So it's fine. Why don't you pick it up with uh, the third song of the set? Yeah, you know which one it is. <laughs> Look away. That was that was the low point, right? <laughs> Look away, look away. I think that's what I think that's what killed my voice. That had to have been, to be yeah. Perfect, to be perfectly honest, Dwayne, you clearly weren't singing loud enough. Your voice sounds fine. You heard me, did you? <laughs> oh no, but you went to you went to more gigs. You went to more gigs than I did. A couple more. Yeah, a couple more. How, how many more? How many did you see? I I saw I saw four. Four gigs. So. Yeah, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, and then Perth was just a bit too far. Yeah, because that's like from the east to the far west coast, right? The, basically, yes, the, right. the width of Europe, I believe. Yeah, yes, that would be exactly right. Wow, I get it. Yeah, and that and that, that was their last flight to do their last gig. So I, I can imagine they, uh, you know, they would have been running on adrenaline that that very last night. <laughs> I have a bit to that. I have a few comments you from really, the You really have point. lost your voice, Andy. Just, yeah, he I wasn't kidding, was he? You, you've done no, some damage I, to your vocal cords, mate. I, I think I think this is it for me now for the rest of my life. I've, I'm quite – I think Look Away killed me and then the na-na-na and DDs of King of Emotion, that'll pack any voice in. <laughs> I'm done. I love it. And those two songs are all songs. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 let's let's look enthusiastic at this. Look away, that got the crowd going. I'm sure it it is a crowd pleaser. Yeah, Absolutely, it's it a did. crowd pleaser. It, it excited me because oh, I was I was thinking about the general audience as well. Like there was us hardcore group in, that were down the front, but there are lots and lots of people behind us who would have remembered Look Away. So to put that in early in the set um, would have got them excited, and um, I was I was happy about that. Oh yeah, mm. it, it yeah. is a great live track. But, uh, of course, that pales with the one, two, three punch of uh, three Steel Town songs in a row with the, the title track, Steel Town, and when the rose is sown and just a shadow. And that must have been special. Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, now that makes me very jealous. I, I, I didn't get a chance to hear really any of the Steel Town songs um, that they that they did on the Steel Town tour or, of course, this tour. Uh, when I saw them, I don't think they, they might have played one steel town track here i can't even remember which one it was offhand but yeah so to, i mean to hear the steel town songs so well rehearsed i'm sure by this point since they'd just done the steel town tour how did those songs come off live to you guys did they do the album justice i think uh oh yeah. absolutely they did absolutely steel town for me is one of my favorite live tracks to this day i from the what was the what was the early 90s album called again but, uh, uh, the live album, net. yeah, safety yeah, net. That's that's my favorite. The Steel Town off that is my is my favorite big country live track. It's incredible. Um, and to to hear that live is always. They played it live in 2011 when I saw them, and 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 again here, and it's uh, it's yeah, pretty amazing. I think that's where I started to lose my voice in that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. How about how yeah. about you, Andy? Any, any any in that trilogy? Anything that really stood out more than another or was it just kind of all of it was just yeah i i I filmed where the roses sown in brisbane i I didn't want to film any of brisbane but i thought i'll just get one song so i filmed where the roses sown but on playback to it all you can hear is my voice and it's just (laughs) dreadful that video is never coming to bc when thousand stars tell you that (laughs) 
was so so emotional. And then Jamie's playing playing the, the Stuart's lead guitar uh, riff, you know, and and he's just nailing it every time, and it's just oh, fantastic. It's just <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was it was all good where the roses are. Fantastic. That's awesome. Excellent. And and I've got to mention something too um, about uh, Simon because I was always I was a fan of Mike. Um, I know they had to change key to get to get the songs right for for Mike's vocals, but um, I saw some some bootlegs of Simon and thought, yep, yeah, he's great. And I knew he was feeling a bit unwell because he wasn't at the VIP meet and greet before the before the gig. It was only the four of them. Mm. Simon was nowhere to be seen, and I thought, hello, what's going on here? And I I could tell at the start of the gig that Simon was feeling pretty poorly. Um, but by this stage, by the Steel Town tracks. Um, the energy of the crowd had transferred to Simon and he really, I really feel he picked up on that and he sort of just took it from there and he soared. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I, I, I remember when, um, when I read you, you'd written that and I, and I actually really agree. Um, I just think as, as the gig went on, he just got better, more confident. Uh, he wasn't holding back as nearly as much, um, uh, and he, he, look, I think he really enjoyed the gig. I think they all did. Um, it, it was it was a pretty special gig, and you know, very emotional, tight, you know, hot hot venue, sweaty. It was it was just all the right ingredients to to see Big Country live. Um, but yeah, I agree totally, totally Dwayne. Well, well, let me ask you guys a, a kind of a general question about Simon, because from my perspective, having having only seen some of the videos, the bootlegs online. I can't get a. I haven't been able to get a feel for him yet. Uh, like you said, Dwayne, it, I hear him sing, and I hear his voice is great. It's like this guy, he hits the notes great. He he sounds great, but I haven't yet been able to, I guess, picture him as part, like an integral part of the band at times because he just. I mean, he just sings. I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I don't get that sense of his. Uh, kind of connecting with the crowd, that kind of thing. So what was it like seeing him live? I mean, was he more of that kind of uh, front man type of force with the band? Was he, did he have a connection with the crowd beyond just singing the songs? Um, you know, I know he's not Mike Peters, but did he have any kind of uh, connection along those lines? I mean, how did you, what did you take from Simon seeing him live? I was actually thinking about that exact point uh, just before I got online with you guys. Um, the thing, the thing with Simon and 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 Scott as well, uh, for that matter, I could tell from Simon, um, particularly from a clip that I, that I saw a bootleg of Kansas, that uh, that he was belting that out and he was absolutely perfect vocally. Um, I think the difference between this lineup and the Mike Peters lineup is that this band that you've got now, they're trying to uh, perfect the sound of big country musically. And Simon, he doesn't take that, that front front and set of position that, that Mike did. Although he says he's Mike, Mike always said that he stood aside for, for Stuart. It, it was Mike that really had that connection with the audience and he made it more of a celebration. So it yeah. was a celebration of, of um, Big Country's music, which was fantastic. And, and he did an excellent job, no, no doubt about it. But with Simon and Scott, because I was, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that even Derek left. I hadn't seen Derek perform, but there was that Scottish, the ratio of Scotsmen in the band was a little bit higher then. So I thought, oh, we've got one less Scotsman in the band now. <laughs> right. um, but to see Scott 
up close. You don't catch that on the bootlegs. Um, how how much energy Scott's got and how into it he, and how much he enjoys it. He's having a lot of fun up there on stage and and he connects with the audience, I think, as well. I think Andy would agree that Scott um, really connects with the audience on a, on a great level um, and, yeah. and connects with that energy. Um, Simon? Not so much, but um, but it's the ba- the lineup that we've got now is is a band that's taking the music very seriously, and that's that's a good thing too. I understand that uh, Simon also speaks a bit more between songs now. Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think initially he wasn't even at the front of the stage on the very no. early gigs. I think so. He's. <laughs> I think this is part of the the progression uh, up the up the line a little bit. But yeah, he was. He was he was at, you know a bit of banter with the crowd, which is good. Introducing a few songs. Um, look, I I, I, gen, I genuinely believe he's becoming more at home um, within the band. It's, it's possibly taking him longer than it has some of the others. Look, it seems like Scott's been playing bass with the band for for a decade. Yeah. You know, he's so, he's so he's so comfortable up there, and he's so likable. And hey, damn, you know, he can play. He's amazing, <laughs> isn't he? He's unbelievable. And I remember, uh, and, you know, kind of to Dwayne's <laughs> point, I remember seeing some of the bootlegs of some of the shows when they were having the revolving bass players every night. And I remember seeing Scott uh, like jumping and, and dancing around on stage. And I thought, oh, this is the only guy doing this. This guy seems like he really loves the music and feels the music. And I got to say, as a fan, that's kind of what I want. You know, I, I, I want it to be played well and competently of course but i kind of want that feeling where you know i know it's 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 probably a a holdover from my youth but i sort of want that feeling of this tribal band together and all in for the same thing so that i guess that was my comments about simon i wasn't sure if he was in that camp yet but it sounds like he's getting getting there yeah he's he's i I think he spoke during most of the songs didn't he andy Hey, like, yeah, I, for, instance, for instance, he's the one who introduced In a Big Country at the end, the, arguably the biggest and well-known, most well-known song in Australia. It was Simon that introduced it. Hey, folks, it's come to that time of the evening. Yeah, well, back to 1983, can I mean one thing? This is In a Big Country! One thing about him, too, and then this is the last thing I'll say about him and we'll move on, but... Um, I, I haven't noticed him doing any of the shahs or the chas. <laughs> is have you? Did he do any of those live? Because I thought that was interesting that he never seems to do those, and I didn't know if that was intentional or. Uh, I, I don't know, mate. He, because he was unwell, he may have been standing back a little bit from the mic. He was certainly throwing up his fist and letting the audience do it for him. Yeah, <laughs> which we were happy to do. <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard him do one. Like even in all the bootlegs I've seen, which which I find interesting. That's like a complete big country geek uh, bit of minutia here. But uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we got it. I'm pretty sure we got a year. Okay, all right. I did, 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 does a year count? It, it, yeah, I think that that probably counts. Okay, <laughs> that gets close. <laughs> He's a long way off. Of, Ow! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm Thank surprised you. even you can do that, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that's the other. Not the only noise I can do. <laughs> Give me my voice back. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, uh, let's talk about one of the songs that did ruin Andy's voice, King of Emotion. Uh, the Australian song, at least the video is Australian. Uh, yeah. Did it go over well? 
Yeah, it, it was it, it was funny yeah. the way the way Bruce introduced that. He said um, he said you wouldn't believe it. We were in Australia filming a filming a bloody video for this song. Um, it's yep. funny the way to the funny the way uh, record companies work. Why weren't we doing a tour at the same time? He actually said that before the before playing the song. Nice. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny and ironic. Might as well fess up because that was uh, everybody was thinking that. <laughs> he, Mark, interestingly, Mark starts King of Emotion with a bit more of a. Fancy, you know, you've just got your basic drum beat and the cowbell, but Mark <laughs> starts start, starts off King of Emotion with something a little fancier. Oh, nice. What a fantastic crowd, anyway. This is King of Emotion. on our show he he when he was on our show he said he just did not like that song at all he didn't enjoy playing it <laughs> so and, I, and I, I remembered him saying that from your show and so and and now it, it seems like mark comes out does his own little thing before settling into the groove of king of emotion but it's quite cool very nice all right so what what ha- what's after king of emotion then kansas uh, can i just can i could i possibly just jump back one oh to, sure sure just a shadow oh yes please and just make mention of um of one of the one of the Melbourne big country faithful, um, Michelle, who I was standing right behind. And that's one of her favourite songs. I don't know if it, it is her favourite big country song. And I, I was watching her. I, I was spending quite a bit of time through the gig actually watching the other fans because I'd never been to a gig with all these people that I knew. So that was that was a new experience for me. And she nearly passed out wow. when, when Just a Shadow came on. It was just so emotional for her. And she'd actually... She's actually been to quite a few gigs now. What did she say? She's up to about nine, yeah. Andy? Because she, she went over when I was there in the UK, and she's also went to, the, to do a few four. in the States too. Wow. Five, six, she might be on seven, seven, seven or eight. And see, that's, okay. what, I, that's yeah. what I mean. Uh, well, Dwayne, we were talking about Culture Club competing with Big Country over there uh, earlier and the power of the... That's a competition, is it? Yeah, right, that's what I mean. It's like the emotional power of the music. No, You can't tell me that anyone almost passed out when the opening strains of Karma Chameleon came on. I mean, come on. I'll tumble for you. I'll tumble for you. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference, right? That's the difference. I feel a bit woozy when Karma Chameleon comes on the radio. Does that count? <laughs> well, that is true. I, I do agree with that. All right. So maybe we move on to the next song. Uh, Kansas, yeah. anything to say on that? Uh, I've got Berrick. a lot to say on that. Yeah. Um, Colin, <laughs> Colin Berrick was introduced. It just so happens that old keyboard player lives in town. Please welcome Mr. Colin Perry! And he said, you're not allowed to film what I put on YouTube. Only kidding! He doesn't want the tax man to know, you see. 
I knew I had lost my voice uh, because I yelled out as he went onto the stage. And interestingly, Colin Berwick came up to Andy and I before the gig and tapped us on the shoulder to say good day. And because um, we'd met him a few years back, had, he did, had dinner with us. And um, I couldn't believe he remembered me because it was that, how many, must have been five years ago that that, that yeah, was. Yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was 2009. Anyway, he came up to us like we were long lost friends. And as soon yeah. as we went to the bar and started having a having a chat, the support band started. And oh, that was the end of that. So I missed out on having a good old chat with Colin. But uh, when he got up for Kansas, I knew I'd lost my voice because I yelled out. I, well, I planned to yell out at the top of my voice, get your shirts off. Um, <laughs> but it just did not come out. It was like, get your shirts off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I was just trying to get a repeat of that 1990-something performance they did back at, was it Country Club or something? It was probably all for yeah. the best. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I'm glad you put that comment into context for some of our listeners who may not know what that <laughs> reference is. But, uh, yeah, and also just to mention, in case someone don't know who Colin Berwick is, he played keyboard on the Buffalo Skinner's album. And he played on the No Place Like yeah. Home tour. In its entirety, that too. That's right. In fact, I interviewed Colin years ago. We did like a brief uh, email Q and A, and what you said about his reaction to you was similar to me. It's like when I got on Facebook, he he friended me, and I was like, "How can he remember me?" You know, and it was great. You know, he's a great guy, very nice guy. We've had a couple online conversations from time to time. So yeah, that I was thrilled that he uh, that he joined them on stage. And it, what, were his keyboards really prominent in that song? I mean, did he? Uh, well. I it's interesting uh, in Kansas. Um, I don't think they were. I don't know what, what, whether you were listening out for the keyboards, Andy, but I didn't quite hear them yeah. as much as I thought I would on Kansas. I was I was particularly listening for I was particularly listening for Simon's vocals because I loved the bootleg version I'd I'd seen so much. Um, but yeah, not, keyboard not so prominent, but he was there. He was. Um, yeah, it's actually. The keyboards uh, come through more on the recorded version than they did for me when I was standing right at the very front. I could barely hear them on Kansas, but I can actually hear them reasonably on on the on the the uh, clip that I recorded. So yeah, nice. So they are there. Nice. Yeah, but it was a nice touch. It was a nice little you know nostalgic trip down memory lane for for everyone to have, to have Colin in Melbourne. It was really good, and he's such a lovely guy too. So, that was, yeah, that was a treat. Incredible, wonderful. All right. So, was he only on stage for that song? No, he came yeah, back he, for ships. He came right, back he, on for ships. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, that would have made sense. Wonderful. Yeah, mm. but they didn't follow up. It, it was like he's on for one song, then off for a couple, then back on. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> he got two introductions. Right. <laughs> His second introduction was better, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. Second introduction was perfect. Right, it's that man again. The man with the mighty organ. You're not getting paid for this tonight, Colin. Uh, chance. <laughs> Go for it. The big sing-along. Oh, the one, two, three, four yep. of the show. And it was. It chance? was fantastic. You know what? Jamie had to run off the stage to go to the toilet at the start of Chance. <laughs> so, so couldn't so he have just Simon's, waited until Simon's, the sing-along part? And he... 
Well, see, the whole thing was that they turned the start of the Simon turned the start of the song into a big sing along. So everyone was singing the Oh Lord before the song had actually started. Oh wow! So Jamie, so Jamie had the, the time that he needed to run off stage, quickly go to the toilet and run back on, and he literally made it within two two bars of of Bruce starting up the opening <laughs> notes. That's great, <laughs> and with a big cheeky smile on his face, it was hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Well, you know, we we hear I we hear that see. song so many times, and and but when you see it live, even if you've heard it a million times, I mean, does it still have that big emotional punch that it seems to? Yeah, it's not it, my no... it's not my favorite uh, it's not my favorite song off of Big Countries by a long shot, um, the studio version. But when you get to do that sing along, and be with the crowd, and particularly with friends and people that you know. Um, it. it it was that that was my I think that was my favourite track of the night almost almost there was one of them that was one of the highlights for me was doing the the O Lords wow um, yeah. at the start and then they did it again in the middle so if our voices weren't lost at the beginning they were certainly lost in the middle of that song <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah and you know it, it was terrific your chance was loads of fun for for such a downtrodden song it was it was a ball three part harmonies fantastic. by any chance three or four part harmonies no, no we're not. No, we're we're not quite up there with Nashville. <laughs> okay, I guess they still remain the anomaly. Yeah, that's right. That's great. Incredible. Uh, I'm personally super excited by the next song in the set list, and I guess they're rehearsing this for the Seer tour, which is uh, Remembrance Day. Oh yeah. <laughs> When I first heard Remembrance Day, I was it was <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is Remembrance Day. This is <laughs> this is the best thing ever. This is but it was probably my favourite track off the Seer. Can I just say that it's interesting that for me, the Seer was my first real uh, big country album that I actually thrashed to death. I went backwards from there, even though I had my mixtapes with big country songs on them. It was the Seer was the first one I actually bought, and Remembrance Day was track three. On, on the second side and my other favourite song The Teacher was track three there's a bit of uh, uh, unnecessary trivia for you um, but yeah to, to hear Remembrance Day live I don't think they they played that live when I saw them last and it was it was pretty nice pretty nice to hear an, a, a track from the Seer that wasn't Look Away you know yeah totally yeah I think yeah. pretty nice it's the understatement of the year 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I weighed a little bit when that came on. <laughs> Did you nearly faint, Andy? Just about. For Andy, it was incontinence yeah. day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> incontinence day, yeah. <laughs> Every gig was like that. Oh, it was kind of that way for me when I saw that that was in the set list. And, uh, of course, can't compare with actually being there, but I did watch the clip, Andy, that you posted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Oh, the one from Soundcheck. That was from Soundcheck? That was from Soundcheck. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Well, then I was I... just, yeah, I was, I was, go back and look at it. I was just standing at the side of it. I was lucky enough to go in for Soundcheck. And I'm just standing there on the side, and all of a sudden that starts up. I'm like, oh, my God, where's my phone? Where's my phone? <laughs> Quick. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why that's why I missed some of the just the very start of it, but that was just oh, that was I had goosebumps. And uh, we also yeah. had a good uh, taster in the form of a Scott Whitley clip where he played the bassline to that song and he shared it on his Facebook page, and that that sounded incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing bass line in that song, isn't it? It's just so melodic. Yeah. Um. That's yeah, and he just he just nails it. He he knows what he's doing, Scott. He's he's really. It's a pleasure to have him in the band. You know, he's really enjoying it. It's mm. great, and then, and a lovely guy too. Yeah. Was it at the end of Remembrance Day when Bruce indicated they'd come back next year to do the Seer, only if we were good? Was it that? Was <laughs> yeah. it then at the end of Remembrance Day? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I think you're right. Because yeah, he did do a bit of talking there, because because ships was the next one, and he and he introduced Colin again. Um, yeah, you're uh, right. So you're that right. might have been a, yeah. that might have been the point where he was talking about the the Seer tour. But anyway, it's all captured on uh, beautiful uh, beautiful high quality bootleg. So <laughs> yeah. it's there for everyone to see. We will okay. go on to the next song, which is where the man with the organ rejoins the band. Colin, for it's ships. not just an organ; it's a mighty organ. <laughs> a mighty organ that was right i did notice with ships that the keyboards suddenly became prominent uh about two-thirds of the way through the song in that one it's like the guy at the mixing desk suddenly thought oh there's a keyboard player up there i better turn up the volume a little bit did you <laughs> did you notice that andy i actually reckon it was colin to be honest I mean, colin's got colin's got his right hand on the keyboard and his left hand it seems like he's got on the volume dial on the left of the keyboard um, oh, okay uh, and I, and I reckon it's actually Colin trying to adjust his I, – I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe completely wrong. But I kind of think he was trying to see where he fit into the song, where where the you know where his level was at, was at. But mm. um, it was terrific. It, it was a lot more noticeable in Chips um, definitely than in Kansas, and it sounded great too. It was it was like he he had never uh, you know like he he just uh, played the song with him you know. A year ago, instead of uh, twenty-three years ago. Yeah, because he really hasn't toured with the band or appeared with them a lot in the meantime. Not nothing, nothing at all. So I think the only time that he actually got to rehearse these songs was uh, on the day of soundcheck, on the day of the Melbourne gig. Wow. Yeah. And at home, in the privacy of his own home, with the bite the organ. Yeah, which, which he might have practiced yeah. on a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Let's quickly move on to In a Big Country, where another crowd pleaser, uh, their most known song in Australia, I believe. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah, and, well, it's the one that's always played on the radio, and every time it comes on, I think, oh, why can't they play something else, please? Right. Um, 
but at least that gets played, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that would have been the one that everyone in the audience knew. And uh, that was the beginning of um, uh, the the crowd getting really, really excited, particularly the Melbourne crew. Um, yeah. Hey, Dwayne, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not at, at, at every gig, I think. They'd, they'd played such a, a collection of fantastic songs, but as soon as In a Big Country strikes up, it's yeah, it's instantly party time in the crowd. Right. And that also marked the start of the, the one, two, three punch of the sort of end of the main set of the show with yeah. the, the, the ultimate classics. Yeah. And what, yep. a way to, what a way to finish the main set. In yeah. a Big Country, Wonderland, Fields of Fire. Right. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, that, went, that's the hit over the head type of uh, of punch there. Yeah, isn't it? And the crowds react. The crowds everywhere I saw, anyway, the crowds just reacted exactly the same. Just raptures. Just yeah. fantastic. In the, the last few chords of Inner Big Country fade out, and it's Wonderland, and then the Wonderland fades out, and you've got Fields of Fire. It's it's it's, fan, it's fantastic. And it was just total celebration. People are jumping up and down and singing and punching the air and throwing their arms around complete strangers. You know, everything that was everything that's <laughs> ever happened at a big country gig in the UK and in Europe and in America. But this was if this was our first time, this was pretty special. Mm. Um, one one of our friends in particular, Adrian Wonderland, is his favourite song, and I was watching Adrian in particular all night because he's a huge Mark Brzezicki fan, and um, got to to meet Mark before the the show and got taken backstage with Mark, and that was pretty thrilling for him. But when Wonderland came on, oh, he was just he was just in heaven. So I, I went over. And we just jumped. We pogoed to Wonderland the whole way through. It was just fantastic. I was very privileged to be able to do that with AIDS for the first time. Yeah, mm. yeah, but that was that was fantastic, wasn't it, Dwayne? Mm, absolutely, great. Man. But by the time great Fields memory. of Fire came on, I'd been jumping for the whole of Inner Big Country and Wonderland. Fields of Fire came on. I was still. I thought I was going to pass out from jumping. It just showed my fitness level. Uh, it has a lot to be desired. <laughs> But of course, that's, it's at the end of a long show already, so it's not just those songs. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it should take its toll. It's, it's the it's the night of the air where guys our age gets more than their share of exercise. And uh, <laughs> but it's all fun. It's all great. Yeah. So Fields of Fire is such an interactive song uh, in a live setting. It's just uh, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. What a way to finish the set. That takes us to the encore, and I have to say personally, it's a little odd choice for me, but uh, inwards as an encore. How did that work? Well, it Wait. was a strange one, wasn't it? It was a, it was a yeah, very it was. strange one. Um, encores are usually for for one of the big songs that they've left out, so why not why not make it, uh, you know? And, and there's usually more than one track in mm-hmm. an encore, so um, yeah. I found that strange to start with but yeah i would have thought inwards would be somewhere else in the mix and maybe and even if it was inwards and and um fields of fire to finish off um i would have thought they'd finish off with one of the bigger ones but yeah it it sounded great and i mean as hardcore fans we know it really well but the rest of the crowd may have been yelling out for the encore and they come back on thinking what is this Mm. so in so inwards was actually the last song of the whole show yeah, that yeah. was a single encore. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I was I was wondering the same thing. I thought maybe it would have been better placed mid-set or something. But then it's a greatest hits tour. They know the people that are going to be coming to see them at this gig will be generally big fans. And everyone will know. Everyone does know Inwards. It's, it's a classic live big country song. It was just, I just, I didn't expect to see it as, as the final song of the night. But I thoroughly enjoyed it, nonetheless. Loved it. Yeah, I think it's a great track. Uh, I just question its placement in the in the set list primarily, and also if this is a greatest hit store. I'm not even sure if inwards classify as a greatest hit or any kind of hit. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, it's it's a little interesting choice. It's certainly worth discussing here, and we all kind of seem to have a question mark there. But there, there's no doubt it's a great song. Yes, and I, I guess I, at the end of the night, that, that's where we are. Yeah, that was look. It was. It was, and they they play it well. It's it it had a, a fancy little uh, intro with Mark on the drums and Jamie on guitars, so it it was something a little bit different about it. Um, but it it was still a great finisher to to what was just a fantastic concert. Every one of them was fantastic. Um, you know, I wish I could have seen the ones in New Zealand and and Perth, but I'm sure anybody that you speak to that saw the guys there. Uh, will tell you how good they were and how good the band sounded. And they really did. They they sounded amazing. It was, it was great. That's awesome. Mm. Well, guys, did, did you have any, I know that you've mentioned some of this, but did you have any personal interaction with the band and um, in any of those conversations, was anything interesting brought up as far as future plans, um, you know, any anything that struck you as, as especially interesting from a fan standpoint? You go first. I did. <laughs> oh, no, well, I know. I mean, I did have some conversations with the band, uh, with uh, with the guys about nothing, no future plans though. I don't. I don't think we talked about. It was, it was more about what what they're doing now and how they're doing it and how they're enjoying it. You know. Um, so I, I don't know what I don't know what's ahead for them. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like. It doesn't seem like there's new material coming anytime soon. No, it doesn't, does there? That's one of the things I was kind of curious about and fishing about because I know that Bruce has mentioned on on uh, some statements online that he says doesn't know if they'll do new material, but if but they may, and if they do, though, it probably will not be another album. It will be just kind of tracks here and there. So I'm yeah. not sure how, how I feel about that, but I totally understand from the, the weird business model that exists today in music, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear some new stuff, but, um, and, and you attended their sound checks. I mean, did they, did they play anything that you hadn't heard before? Um, I remember when I saw them in, in Sellersville here in America, I was able to go to a sound check and Jamie and Mark were playing this piece that I'd never heard before. And it sounded really cool. It had like a lot of delay, digital delay going. And I got the feeling that it was like a little instrumental they were fooling around with. But did you guys hear anything like that? I didn't no, I didn't hear anything. I heard Harvest Home, Remembrance Day, a, a lot of Mark drumming because Mark was on a new kit every single night. Oh wow, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he his sound check took quite some time because he was there usually with the drum tech or the drum roadie or whoever it was, making sure everything was inch centimeter perfect. Whatever he does, <laughs> he must um, have loved that. So, yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, so Mark would play his stuff, and the guy, the guys would seem to run through Harvest Home. They'd seem to run through Remembrance Day, uh, and, and nothing else. No, I didn't. Nothing like you heard, Tom. Okay. 
And I absolutely loved All Lay Down. So I I would love to hear new material. I thought All Lay Down was just just quintessential big country. Um, so why not do some more? And I don't know, with, with bands like this, wouldn't would a new album actually be financially viable or well it'd be it'd be viable i suppose but would it be worthwhile to put all that effort into something when they're make, they're probably making more money touring the hits yeah um so so why not at this stage in their lives um put their energy and effort into making a bit more money um which 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 this touring uh bit will will do for them an album's not going to make them as much money as a tour that's for sure yeah no doubt about that that is very true, but uh, at the same time, lesser bands than Big Country make money releasing album through crowdsourcing, and we've talked that yeah. to death. Let's not do that again. <laughs> but uh, I, I do have another tidbit about uh, as far as talking to the band with the shows. I have uh, an article in front of me written by Melaine Scrafton. I don't know if she is known to you guys down there, but she writes for this website called Wall of Sound, and she uh, posted a gig review for the. Uh, Rosamond Hotel show on the 18th of June. And I'm going to skip the review of the gig. What's interesting to me is actually the last paragraph in that story where she had a chat with the band afterwards. And uh, there's a couple of things mentioned, and I'll just read it here. Simon confessed that many shows with that amount of energy can take its toll, mentioning the importance of sleep and sobriety to keep his voice strong. These guys can still party like the best of them, but take their role as uh, performance uh, artists seriously and professionally. I couldn't help but be impressed by their personal stories about previous work in the music industry with some of the biggest names in the business. In a brief chat with Mark after the show, I can confirm that the band intends keep touring and writing new material for the foreseeable future. After the success of this tour, they are hoping to come back to Australia soon and judging from their following, they should. So... It's always in the mix, This they intend to write new material, but it's a little bit non-committal. There's no timeline for it. So I don't know how to really take it anymore. And, and you don't, even if they do write new material, there's, the last thing that got released was only sort of on the YouTube clip. It was never, never really anything we could physically own, was it? That's true. Uh, I'll still take it over nothing, though. It was yeah, released oh, on yeah, some absolutely. sort of CD, wasn't it? Though eventually, uh, there was some trip, uh, some charity CD that it was released yeah. on, or something. All Lay Down was released I, on a charity CD, which is in my shelf I, at the back of the room here. <laughs> oh, have you got that? Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Hope is in the air. <laughs> you don't have it. I, Man, I, I actually <laughs> don't have it. <laughs> Your super fan status is dropping, all of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, guys, let me let me uh, kind of bring this full circle then. Um, We've we've gone through the shows, the the emotions beforehand, the emotions during. So, and I know Dwayne, you've seen them before. So, it, not it, it might not be quite the same for you since this this was Andy's first time ever seeing the band live. But um, oh, not really. What were your? No, nah, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't Andy. Oh, that's right. Of course, no. you were in the U.S. That's right. You were, weren't you? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I forgot that you came over <laughs> here and saw a bunch of those shows. All right. Well, oh, then no, don't Andy saw the BBW lineup too. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, well, all right. Well, let me let me take a completely different approach to this. Then <laughs> let me start this over. Um, By all means, let's keep it. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I'll keep the the first part. But so after these shows were finished, and I, I was 
I had thought, Andy, for a moment that it, this was your first time, but you've clearly seen them before, too, you and Dwayne both. But the first time seeing them on your home soil, um, what were your feelings like after the shows that you saw? I mean, did you feel like finally the this circle had been closed some in some way? Or, uh, you know, did it feel like... Um, you know, something that you've been waiting for all these years that finally happened could be put to rest, or or was it just like you'd seen Big Country again? I mean, what what were the general feelings after they finally finished a tour in Australia? My feelings were um, immense satisfaction that I could see. <clears throat> sorry, that I could see Big Country with with a bunch of people that I knew that we we talked about Big Country for years. We were mutual fans, and. It was great to see them together, and I think it put that issue to rest. We were getting together for so many years and talking about Big Country for so many years. It, this was like this. We thought this would never happen. Hmm. It, it was yeah. it was an absolute it was an absolute fantasy a few years ago. And then, on reflection, after thinking about this tour, I was getting a little bit cranky, thinking, "Why is it happening now? Why could this not have happened?" even five years ago. Why couldn't it have happened with Mike Peters? Um, I, I just don't understand why it couldn't have happened. What, and, and I was curious to know what prompted it to happen now. I don't know the details behind how it actually came about because it had nothing to do with me. Do you, do you think now that the tour's finished, are they thinking, oh, gee, that wasn't too difficult after all, what, what took us all this time? Or do you thinking, well, we're not doing that again. That was so <laughs> far away. <laughs> Well, can I can I, I answer that by saying I think if if you ask Mark, he'd say, "Yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. That'd be great." If you ask Bruce, he'll say, "I'm never doing that again." <laughs> yeah, Bruce will be dragged here, kicking and screaming uh, by Sandra. Oh my! Well, see, I've always yeah. wanted to visit Australia. It's it's always been one of the most interesting countries to me, and in, in my own, it just, it just seems like a wonderful place. But I'm not a huge. I don't love to fly, so I, I would do it. If I have to do it, but the idea of being on a plane for like a full day <laughs> doesn't really appeal to me very much. So, so you guys, being native Australians, is there a shortcut to get to your great land? Yes, oh. put yourself into uh, cryogenic refrigeration and wake yourself up when you get here. <laughs> <laughs> I will wait for that glorious it's day. Al- it's called alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's called alcohol. Okay. Keep yourself stupid, fall asleep on the plane, wake up in Australia. <laughs> no, I think they would definitely come again if it was staggered. That when I looked, at, and particularly the way they did it to it, because they, they, they didn't go around Australia and New Zealand. They kind of zigzagged everywhere. So um, that would have made it quite grueling as well. So, um, However, they did make some really positive comments about their tour uh, manager or the guy that was on the road with them. Um, yep. So if they, I, I'm sure they'd get him again next time, and and um, he impressed them. So I, I think that I even saw some comments made by Sandra, maybe saying, "Oh, they that the Australian guys could teach the the, the UK guys a thing or two oh, very about nice. managing yeah. the tool." Okay. So that that fills me with confidence that it's going to happen again. Good. But hopefully they can stack it a bit next time. And uh, she also yeah. said that next time I'm going with them. And that's why you know they're coming back. <laughs> yes, because she wants to go shopping here and that is, <laughs> that's why that's why it fills me with confidence too. Oh good. Cuz I think she yeah, I think she likes to shop. Oh, because the shops are so different here to the UK, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. 
Of course they are. <laughs> I forgot to ask them if they ate Vegemite, and I'm a little bit annoyed at that. Oh, yes. We'll have to follow up with because, that. Because that's the whole thing. I wanted to – did they have Vegemite for breakfast? Because it's you just got – I don't know. It's really cool seeing We should have done that at the VIP thing, taken a Vegemite sandwich yeah. and said, here, have yeah. a bite. How stupid are we? And get that this recorded is... on video and get a reaction. Got to oh, do it. So, we're so dumb. And you just have to smile and say nothing as you give them a Vegemite sandwich. Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, thank you. <laughs> we, we know that Bruce prefers Marmite. <laughs> yeah, if he can eat Marmite, I'm sure he can eat Vegemite, I, I would think. But I don't know. I, I can't speak to either of them. So. <laughs> yes, son. So we um, we need to talk a bit more about the VIP experience, I guess they called it. So you both went to it. Uh, did you go at the same time? Did you both go to the Melbourne one? We did. Yes, we did. I think that's the only one you did, Andy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was um, just just the Melbourne. It was a bit too expensive to do do at all of the gigs, but very worthwhile doing one uh, at Melbourne for sure. So what did you get uh, for the, for that one? We got a, a a VIP big country VIP tour laminate, which sort of hung around your neck. Uh, we got a, a thick A3 size tour poster in sort of a thick cardboard. Uh, we were able to bring along three items to get signed by the band. Uh, we got a, a photo on our own uh, camera or phone with the band. And then I think it also just enables you early entry into the venue. And uh, was that it, Dwayne? Yeah, I think that is about it. Yes. So are we talking sound check early entry? No, no, no sound, sound check, check, unfortunately. Oh, okay, because that would have been the icing, right? Absolutely. But it sounds like, Andy, you managed to catch a, a sound check in any case. Yeah, I managed to sneak in on on one in Brisbane, um, which was terrific. But uh, but no, it, it VIP uh, experience. I think we had maybe sixteen or seventeen people in Melbourne. Uh, I think there was, from memory, eighteen in Sydney. Uh, and I, I, to be honest, I can't exact. I don't exactly know Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth numbers for the VIPs. Uh, but really worthwhile for the people that bought the. But the tickets, you got to have a bit of a chat with the band, get a few items signed, uh, and then the photo opportunity. And uh, and it was just good mingling because you knew all the other fans that had done the VIP. You know, it was checking out, oh, what have you brought to get signed? Oh, you got this, you got that. You know, it, it was really good. It was a cool little atmosphere. Nice. Wonderful. So what did you guys have signed? Ooh. I, um, I had a, I had my, my uh, recent – Deluxe editions of the Seer and Steel Town signed um, on CD, and I got my VIP poster signed by all the band. Yeah, right. As my three items. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Sucker, <laughs> I, I, I hung at the back of the line. I had about ten items, <laughs> <laughs> and I just hung right at the back. And just at the end, I thought, nobody's going to count how many items you've got. Seriously, are they? And they didn't. So I got this signed and this signed and this signed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit cheeky. I was a little bit cheeky, but um, yeah. Oh, well. Oops. You're an example for the rest of us, Andy. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> we, we should wish to be so cheeky. 
<laughs> Incredible. Uh, I also want to check uh, about merch. Did they, did they bring a lot of merch with them to Australia? And what did they sell if they sold anything? They sold two two or two T-shirts uh, in in the in the sort of the crossing blue and in and black. Uh, they've got the big. It's a very big. Uh, big country logo, say the one from the Buffalo Skinners album. Yeah. The little burst with the bursts up, up below and above the big country on the front. And that's in silver. Uh, and then on the back, it's got the big country logo again up the very top. And then uh, New Zealand and Australian tour dates all underneath that. Um, but they, unfortunately, they were the only merch uh, items that they brought. But they, they sold pretty well all night, mm. which was great. Yeah, it was really good. And they good, really good quality T-shirts. So merch was good. Yeah, it, it's good to have a commemorative item from the occasion there. And uh, I'm sure yeah. all the ones they didn't sell there, you can now get for the cheap through the big country shop. I, yeah, I really or hope maybe so. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it's wrong personally for me to go and buy a, a T-shirt from, from that tour when I wasn't at that tour. But... You know, obviously they they shouldn't toss them out either if they didn't sell them. So I'm I, sure. I hope, they, I hope they make something on them. I know, and I know, Sandra was having a little chat with me earlier that they weren't in complete control of what they got to sell here. Ah. Um, it, it was down to an Australian company, I believe, and then so they. I don't, I don't exactly know what the band got out of it. Probably not as much as as when they do their own merch in the UK. Sadly, but. Um, still, it was something, and it's and it's commemorative, and and I did see a lot of them being sold. So I really do hope the band got something out of them. So Dwayne, you have the only thing that kind of is a sister podcast to uh, to the Great Divide, which is your radio show, which sometimes features big country heavily, and uh, I enjoy that heavily. So why don't you just plug it? Where can people find what you do and and all that good stuff? Well, I almost do big country features um, with the same gaps as the Great Divide podcast <laughs> as between shows. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been doing Kaleidoscope Ears. It's basically just a classic rock show that broadcasts out of Hobart. And I've been doing that for a, about 10 years now. I had a friend who wanted me to come into the studio with him and help him out. He didn't want to do it every week. Um, and he wanted me to, to do it on a fortnightly basis. And I said, I'll only do it if you let me do a feature on Big Country. And so he let me do one. And um, I've stayed with the show ever since. So occasionally, um, when, whenever I can, whenever there's an opportunity, I'll, I'll, uh, feature, I'll feature Big Country. I get lots of, lots of international listens on those shows, which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, I'm certainly one of them. <laughs> well, Dwayne, I asked, I asked Annie this question before you, you jumped on. So, and let me ask you too. Um, Dwayne, did you ever see them with Stuart? at the helm no no i didn't unfortunately not not in person many times on dvd but no okay never i I actually did get the chance well i was discussing at one stage going to that gig at at kuala lumpur but uh uh for some reason that that never materialized i wish it did because it was their final performance but um as bad as i hear it was it may have been uh, a good thing i still say Dwayne. i i Dwayne, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to butt in at all. But I still reckon I. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. That's all right. That's a. That's a horrible thing to say. That, that was the closest I got to, to to seeing them anyway. But yeah, never never had a chance to. Yeah. Well, I mean, was it was it kind of a bittersweet experience then to 
I mean, to see them in Australia after all these years, but you know, knowing that Stuart wasn't there, or uh, Andy shared with us that he really felt Stuart's presence at the gigs. I mean, in a, in a not not necessarily in a religious way, but just you know, he kind of felt Stuart's spirit there. I mean, did you have that feeling too? Was it kind of like well, a celebration? You do because yeah. because it's his music, it's Stuart's music, and they bring that to life so well. They're bringing Stuart to life in a way, um, so he is there um, in in that kind of sense. But um, you know, I, I've got a a similar story to the band in that that uh, my uncle, who I listened to Big Country with, suicided in exactly the same way that oh Stuart did. Um, so when I first saw them in Manchester uh, back in 2011, I was doing it for my uncle. So it was it, there was there was more to it than not than seeing them without Stuart. It was I, I had to do that because that was something that he and I were going to do together. And it was kind of like a pilgrimage that I had to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that was quite emotional that one. But um, but this one here, um, it was it was great to share that with with great friends um, who really loved the band too. So um, but Stuart, it's it's a funny question because Stuart is there. I still say he is there in the music. Yeah. Beautiful, wonderful. That's a great way to to wrap things up. I think. Um, well, look, guys, uh, we really appreciate it. I know this was. Uh, maybe a little challenging with our time zone differences and our <laughs> Skype and all of this stuff. But uh, for, from my perspective as a fan and just being so curious about what these Australian shows were like, it, it was really illuminating. And uh, I love hearing your stories. Andy, I love your enthusiasm. I loved it on Facebook. So please don't <laughs> ever apologize for it. It's wonderful. And uh, yeah. Dwayne, I mean, it's such a pleasure to have you join us. I've listened to your show quite often and, and really respect what you do and love what you do. And, um, we, we're so happy that you joined us. And so thank you guys. I mean, this was a, this was a wonderful show. Cheers. Thanks, mate. It's been, it's been awesome. I, I would possibly like to add that the tickets to the VIP, uh, experience, the meet and greet, I think it made them the most expensive big country tickets ever sold. <laughs> If that's a little piece of trivia that you might like to add, yeah, well, that's the new thing now with with bands, isn't it? The the VIP meet and greet is now a part of every, almost every show that you see these days, and uh, that's a that's definitely a good way for the bands to make more money. So it's it's fantastic, and we were, we were everyone here was you know that paid for those tickets was really pleased. They did really good value for money. Um, yeah, it, it made the gig a little bit more personal. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, that is episode 59 of the Great Divide podcast. I can't believe we're approaching episode 60. Amazing. But um, thank you, everyone, for bearing with us, as always, as we put these shows out. I know the time frame between episodes varies, but that's just the way we are. It's just the way it goes. But uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this one as much as Svine and I have. So any any parting words, Svine? Not really. We'll be back with uh, number 60 soon. Yes, we will. So, as always, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate the feedback. BigCountryPodcast at gmail.com. Go to Facebook and look for the Great Divide Podcast page. If you're not a member there, just sign up. Ask us to join. We'll, we'll, we'll add you as long as you're not a robot trying to sell sunglasses. And um, some really good discussion on that page. So, thank you again so much to Dwayne and Andy. And we will be back soon. Take care, folks.
Bob's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're going to be peppering you with this this kind of nonsense all all day, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, Crack Bob's a your uncle, is that... Is that an Aussie saying? (laughs) (laughs) Really? I never knew that. That's that's awesome. Bob's your uncle. (laughs) No, I'd have to. Fair dinkum's fine. That's one of the best. No, it's just uh, if Crocodile and Dee say it, I figure it's uh, fair game. You racist bastard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we all speak. Because we all speak like hoags. (laughs) Come on. Come and say good day. I'll slip an extra shrimp on the barbie for you. As soon as you, you guys mentioned meeting, I sort of pictured it in slow motion with the camera panning around you guys. <laughs> it would probably end up being like Braveheart. You know, we'll be running towards each other from a distance, but instead of embracing, we'll just smash into each other. I mean, none of us survived that smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 uh, I'm wily. I'll go for the legs at the last second. <laughs> Crack a tinny. Mm. Good man, that's excellent. <laughs> Crack a tinny. <laughs> I've never heard it said with a Norwegian accent. That's brilliant. <laughs> You'd have heat pumps in Norway, wouldn't you? Heat pumps? Oh man, it's warm here. <laughs> What's a heat pump? <laughs> it's a it's have, a reverse have, cycle air conditioner to... for mainlanders, Andy. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I didn't know what I thought you had to I thought you had to like push it's also my nickname. A pump or something. Heat pump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, From uh, now on when I turn on the heater, I'll call it Thomas. Hey, that's awesome. No, your nickname is Hot <laughs> Air. <laughs> it's time to it's time to turn on Thomas. <laughs> we are going to get we are going to get been involved in editing. <laughs> yeah, no, never. Does it take a long time? It depends. It depends. Every time we have uh, Australians on the show, it takes forever to edit. Good day, mate. Do we need to? Sure. Let's try it. Hear my horrible Australian yeah. accent. The dingo right, ate my it. baby. <laughs> Barnes are mate. Oh, I thought that was Meryl Streep doing that impersonation. That was so good. That was a very good Meryl Streep impersonation. Yeah, wasn't it? That DK's got my baby. But once again, Fields of Fire was never one of my favourite big country studio tracks, but it's such a great track yeah. to engage with as an audience. Um, so what's going on there with, the, with that sound? Is that Andy? <laughs> that's, that's Is that Andy. Andy trying to clear his throat? G'day, old cobber. Hey. Hi, mate. Say good day, mate. Good day, mate. <laughs> hey, that's fair dinkum. That was better. all right. That's better than your dad. <laughs> good evening, everybody. Um, nice to see you. I haven't seen you in my back there. I've been uh, busy. So, brilliant. Richmond, hey? I live near Teddington. Oh, no, sorry, 11,000 miles away. The other Richmond. The coincidence is Burnley is nearby, isn't it? And big hand for Scott Whitley here on base doing a fantastic job. He's from Burnley in the UK, of course. That's a link we have. Brilliant. He's doing a fantastic job. Brilliant base player. Brilliant guy as well. Fantastic. What about Jamie Watson, hey? It runs in the family. 
I'm not sure what Brian's in the back. No, it's Mr. Watson's son, Jamie. It's in the DNA, and he's doing it tonight. It's a fantastic job, Jamie. Well done. What about Mr. Simon Hop here? Through all the adversity, the flights, jet lag, viruses, it all happens when you're singing. You're very vulnerable. He's done a fantastic job tonight. Give it up for Simon Howe! And now over to my dear, dear friend, my old mucker in crime. We've done a lot together. We've flown lots of miles. We've never claimed them, actually. Something we need some things to look into, yeah. On guitar, vocals, songwriting, the whole shebang. Mr. Bruce Watson, everyone! I'm sporting my Brzezicki Tartan, as you can see tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll drummer in the band! On the planet, Mr. Mark Brzezicki! Guys, we'll come back again, we'll do a whole album, new albums of celebration. You've been fantastic, we've come a long way, you've made it worthwhile. One thing I want to leave you with is God bless Stuart Adamson everyone, thank you. Get your shirt off! What's a heat pump?